Hey, we're Jeff and Jackie Lynch. We're part of the ministry team here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We are so glad that you have found us. Here's this week's message. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Just quiet your spirit for just a moment. Just be still. Listen to what God wants to say to you as we transition into this time, the time of going to the Word. Lord, right now as we move into the next moment of our, our service time, God, we are in awe of who you are and just your amazing, beautiful plan, a plan to rescue, a plan to redeem, a plan to build back everything that once was broken, not just in humanity, not just in creation, but God, in our very own lives. Lord, we are in awe of who you are and the very fact that you would stop by this place to spend this time with us. Well, Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we know that you make no mistakes. Every person you've brought here today, you've brought here for a reason. And that reason is so that you can speak peace and love and joy right into their hearts. Holy Spirit of God, speak as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for coming out. So glad to see everyone. Merry Christmas to you. I want to I talk to you um, about a phrase that's kind of been on my mind the last few days, last week or so, and it's a phrase beyond broken, beyond broken. And as, I, as I've kind of chewed on this thing of beyond broken, it seems to me that there's at least two meanings to beyond broken. Here's what I mean. Um, that, you know, things can be broken, but things can be way beyond broken. So when I was a kid, I loved playing baseball. And, and as a 12-year-old, man, that's kind of the pinnacle of baseball time for boys. And so as 12-year-olds, man, we played, played our season. And at the end of the year, every year we knew that there would be all-stars. And there was a specific 12-year-old all-star team that all the guys were trying to make. I made it on the 12-year-old all-star team, but y'all through some kind of, I don't even know how it happened, some kind of a little freak accident, and I was playing in first base in the first game, first inning of the first game of 12-year-old All-Star. Somehow I hit my hand against a fence and I broke a bone in the back of my hand. And so when we went to the, the hospital, they did the x-rays and, and it, looked like, it looked like a crack in that bone, but that was the end, man. It, it didn't even look like it was broken. There was just a little line, just a crack there, but it was broken. Now, Keep that picture in mind of what a cracked bone looks like. And let me tell you about my daughter, Bailey, who is now 22. But when she was five years old, she was at an after-school care. And uh, at this after-school care, they had all of the kids come around. And, and, and the teachers had called them in and said, we got to have a little meeting. And so the teachers were out there. All the kids were out there. And Bailey was sitting at a picnic table. And kids were up on top of the picnic table. She's sitting there doing what she's supposed to. But the picnic table collapses right down onto her femur. My little five-year-old daughter has a broken femur, y'all. And when I say it was broken, when they showed us the x-rays, that bone that was, was like that, after the break, bam, snapped in half, and it did like that. What I'm telling you is her, her leg was not like my crack. Her leg was beyond broken. Now get that phrase in your mind, beyond broken. But you know, on that day, one of the most terrifying days of my life, man. I'm sitting there looking at my little daughter and, and, and her leg. She's sitting on a table, her leg's out in front of her, and it's supposed to be going straight, and part of it's kind of, I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not good. That's not right. Something's, something's messed up. And maybe in your life, maybe in your life today, when you think about the season that you're in and maybe some things you're going through, maybe you could say in your life right now there are some things that are 
beyond broken, not the way it's supposed to be. Maybe it started good, but something got all janky and jacked up, and now it's, it's, all, it's all a mess. Well, can I tell you that I thank God that there were people there when my daughter's leg was broken that got her into an ambulance, and there was a process. Just hang with me. There was a process where they got her into an ambulance, got her to the emergency room, took her back to get x-rays. The doctor looked at the x-rays. He assessed what the problem was. He said, we have to put a cast on it. He kept that cast on for a a period of time, took the cast off. She began doing some rehabilitation. And a few weeks later, after it was beyond broken, my daughter moved into a season beyond what had been broken. And what I'm saying to you this morning yeah, Christmas is about kids, and come on, who doesn't love seeing little kids with a towel wrapped around their head? Come on, somebody, right? Get you some of those angel wings, and oh, that's Tim Foy, oh, I mean, that, yeah, 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 it's about all of that, and it's about the manger, and it's about, but you know what Christmas is really about? It's about a God who created people that he loves, and the people that he loves, sometimes, man, I don't know about you, but sometimes we just maybe even inadvertently make the wrong decisions, and our wrong decisions have a way of leading us into places that are just beyond broken. But here's what I want you to know, man. God loves you, and God had a plan, and God had a plan from the very beginning. You go back and read Genesis 1. Read Genesis 1, and you'll see how God created a world, and the world that he created was perfect. It was beautiful. Man, the garden was lush and green, and there were all of these foods and colors and experiences and animals, and there was perfect peace. That's the way that God created life to be. We call it shalom. Shalom, we, we, we translate that as peace, but it's more than peace. It's perfection. There's nothing broken in it, and that's how God created the world. What happened? Well, long about Genesis 3, you read about a serpent that made his way into the garden, and he began to tempt, and he began to turn the voice of, of God's people, Adam and Eve, and, and for the first time they chose something other than what was good and what was godly, and they ended up going from a place of beauty to a place of brokenness. And from that point until when Jesus shows up in the manger, we see God's people going through great seasons where God's doing great things, but also going through terrible seasons like where they were a million miles away from God. Does that sound familiar to anyone this morning? Ever feel like you're so close and then you're so far away? Well, so why do we have Christmas? Because your God loves you so much. So much, man. He loves you so much and he doesn't want you to be in a place where things are broken. He doesn't want you to be in a place where life is cold and distant and dark. And so that takes us to the very first Christmas. God had a plan. Listen to how it all turns around. Go with me to the very first Christmas there and recorded in Luke chapter 2. And now, now Luke was a doctor, and, and Luke was recording the events of the first Christmas, and he was trying to keep a record of things. And y'all just need to know right up on, on right, right at the front, Luke didn't keep up with everything. He gave you what you needed to know. So I'm going to read through this, and, and, and it's a pretty long passage of Scripture, so just give me a little leeway. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to narrate a little bit, share, share a little bit as we go along. Luke 2 verse 1 says, In those days Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, he issued a decree that a census should be taken 
of the entire Roman world. So, so all roads lead to Rome was a saying that, that we've heard before because in those days Rome had conquered what, was, what there was of the known world. And so Caesar, as the emperor, he, he issues this decree that a census be taken so that we can count, find out how many people are out there so that we know how many we have if we want to go to war, how many soldiers do we have, but also take a census so we can know how many people there are that we can tax to bring in money to do these things. So this was the first census that was taken, or that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So, Joseph. Now, who's Joseph? We got a new character in the story. Joseph is the man who would become the earthly father of Jesus. And I say the earthly father because if you, if you know the story, um, part of the beauty of the cross is that, that Jesus was born on his mother's side, the Virgin Mary, on his father's side, Mary was she was she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And so 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 Joseph, guys, I hate to tell you all this, but Joseph was just a guy who was alone for the ride. Didn't have nothing to do with it. But that's just just the way it is. Just the way it is. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now stop real quick, just clean that up. Jesus of Nazareth, you've heard that. That's where Mary and Joseph would create their home and where Jesus would eventually grow up. But when it talks about he was born in Bethlehem, well, Bethlehem was the ancestral home, the home where, where King David was from and Joseph's lineage was from David. And so the, the decree was for everyone to go back to their ancestral home. So Joseph had to take his very pregnant wife back to Bethlehem. Ladies, just us chickens here this morning. How many of y'all been pregnant? Raise your hand. Right, right, right. My guess is y'all probably, uh, when, when the time came, man, you probably got in the minivan, right? Had the bag packed. Let's, let's, let's get in the car. Let's go to the thing. How many of y'all rode a donkey to, no, right, nobody's hand. Right. Kind of sets things up for where this is going. Right. She had a little bit of a hard time. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. She was expecting a child. Now, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, now, now just stop right there. Now, remember I told you that Luke just kind of, he gave us what we needed to know? Luke didn't give us everything there was in the story, y'all. Ladies, how many of y'all remember when you gave birth? Right? Like, like, like if you're Mary and you're reading this and Luke's standing there with you, Luke's like, hey, you want to read what I wrote about it? Right, right? Yeah, yeah. So the time came and she gave birth. Luke, did you miss something? What do you mean, Mary? Mary's like, hey, there's a lot of stuff you need to put in here. Like I was in labor for 14 hours, y'all, right? It was a long time. Did you have an epidural? No, I did not. It had not been invented yet. How big was your baby? Well, he was 9 pounds, 8 ounces, 22 inches long, but you didn't put any of that in there. Well, because Luke gave us what we needed. Didn't need to know all of that. She gave birth. Her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger. What's a manger? We don't know what a manger is because we don't talk about mangers. But it was in a stable, it was in a barn, and a manger was a feeding trough. Why did they put him there? Because there was no room for them in the end. And now we get to verse 8 where it starts talking about shepherds. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And I don't know what y'all know about shepherds, man, but, but shepherds, they're, um, 
their, their, their opportunities for employment, for whatever reason, have been very limited. So, so, so there's a reason these shepherds are out in the field daytime and nighttime, couldn't get a job anywhere else. So apparently part of what a shepherd does is not only take care of the sheep during the day, but at nighttime, I can imagine them out there with a lantern, and the sheep are asleep, but the shepherds are taking care of the sheep. And so they're looking, y'all. And when they're looking, they're, they're looking for those yellow eyes of the, of the wolves or the bears or the lions or whatever in the dark. They're out there in the dark keeping watch over their flocks at night. And verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, I guess they were terrified. They're out there in the dark. Don't raise your hand how many of y'all are afraid of the dark, even just a little bit, right? They're out there in the dark, and they're looking for animals, and whoosh, everything lights up. And the angel of the Lord is standing there in front of them, and they're like, what's going on? Everything's lit up, and it says they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I love these next three words. I, the angel of the Lord, bring you. Why is that so important? Because shepherds in those days were the lowest of the low. They were the lowest on the totem pole. I, the angel of the Lord, are bringing you shepherds who would, who would think that you're not even worthy. Why would God go? You would think God would go to the emperor, right? No, God goes to the other end of the totem pole. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for the emperor. No, that's not what it says. It'll be news of, of good news of great joy for people who have been living right their whole life. No, that's not what it says. I'll bring you good news of great joy for people who are really trying hard. No, that's not what it says. I'm bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, that will be for all the people. And today in the town of David, a Savior. What does a Savior do? A Savior saves people. A Savior rescues people. A Savior goes to where people are lost and hurting and broken and beyond broken. And He rescues them. And today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. That baby's going to be wrapped in cloths. He's going to be lying in a manger. And then suddenly... Like it wasn't enough already that this angel showed up, right? I mean, these shepherds are like, what in the world? Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Shepherds are standing out there in lantern looking for sheep. Whoosh! The angel shows, and then whoosh! Hillsong and Elevation Worship and Maverick City, all of them show up. Whoosh! Hmm. I mean, what is going on? We're just trying to take care of our sheep out here. Well, 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 well. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, wouldn't y'all really like to know what them nasty, stinking, common shepherds said to each other? You know Luke didn't record what those boys said. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, they found Mary, they found Joseph, and they found the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Stop right there a minute. You probably read that lots of times. Do you get that? Like God's at work making the people here what the shepherds said. 
Some of you who feel like your life is beyond broken right now, feel like you have no voice, feel like you've been silenced, feel like maybe you have been disqualified for your voice to even be heard, but when God came into this world, he purposefully went to the shepherds, and he gave the shepherds voice, and all of the people were amazed at what the shepherds told them. My God. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, but Mary, holding that little baby, rocking that baby back and forth, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Can you just imagine? Mary's probably like a 15-year-old girl, y'all. Why did, like out of all the people, God chose me to be the mother of Jesus? Can you imagine her looking at that little baby? The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And that's the story of Christmas. But the question is, why? Why? Why did all of this have to happen? Like, like, why did Jesus have to come out of heaven in the glory and splendor and majesty of being seated at the right hand of the Father and be born into a very common world in a very common, uncommon way? Well, God came into this world because he knew that the people that he had created, the people that he loved, we're living in spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. Because he didn't create the world for all of us to be out there struggling. He didn't create the world for us to, to be just out there unprotected. And if you've ever been a million miles away from God, you understand what I'm talking about being unprotected. He created a world where, where his people would stay close to them. And as we stay close to him, we are under the umbrella of his protection. We are under the umbrella of his provision. We're under the umbrella of his love and care and kindness and goodness and mercy and grace. But what happens? Well, what happens is there are times in our lives when when just like the people of Israel at once were close to God and couldn't get enough of God, and God says, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and this is how you're going to live. Yeah, 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 we're going to do that, God. But then the voice that cries out to the flesh begins to say, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, everybody's doing this. Hey, have you tried this? I know you're struggling right now. This will make you feel better. And you start turning and you start walking, you start moving. And y'all, I've never met a person who was that close to God who got up one morning and said, I think I'll just go 180 degrees the other direction. But a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, we end up following the voice. We end up losing our compass. We can't hear the voice of God. Where does that lead us? It leads us to a place we never dreamed we would be, and we end up completely lost and broken and in spiritual darkness. In spiritual darkness. If this is what your life feels like right now, can I tell you, there is a light that wants to draw you back to him. You were never created to be in darkness. And the truth of it is, there's an enemy that wants to lie to you and tell you that God's forgotten you, that God doesn't care about you, that God, God is mad at you, and it's all lies. He loves you, and he has great things. You ever been in the dark? What happens? Well, when you're in the darkness, the darkness has a way of breaking things. Darkness leads to things being broken. Y'all, night before last, um, Somebody came up with a great, great, bright idea for three of our grandchildren to spend the night with us. I don't remember signing off on it. Maybe I did. But anyway, it was wonderful. I loved it. Great experience, especially when that one child that decided to sleep in our bed with us slept on top of my head with his knee right in my ear. Praise the Lord. That was wonderful. 
Thank you, Charlie. About, um, about, about, about 5.30 that morning, I'd had enough of that current situation, so let's just get on up out of here. And um, so, so, so I get up that morning, man, and, and, and kind of come out of the bedroom, y'all. We, we just kind of gotten back into the house. Well, I'm still figuring out where things are, but God help us, I am not turning no light on because the whole crew comes alive. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like you turn that light on, and they all going to be awake, so I keep it dark, and I walk through there, and I'm walking to where I'm going. And y'all, whoever came up with this dog toy that's at our house, this dog toy, it, it has fish hooks on it and barbed wire, and, and it's got spikes. And with my very bare foot, I step on, whoo, I step on that thing, y'all, and I couldn't get off of it fast enough. Thank God that I wasn't beside the Christmas tree because I would have burned the whole house down again. <laughs> Jesus. Darkness leads to things being broken. You get out there in the dark, man, you're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just lost. You can't find your way, and you can't feel your way back to the past. But, but I want to tell you this morning that God has a plan. And if it feels like there's this wet, heavy blanket of darkness that's on you, again, that's not what God created, and he has a plan to lead you out of the darkness. I love these verses of Scripture. Look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, now, just stop right there just a minute. The beginning of what? The beginning of what? In Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. But you got to realize that was the beginning of time. That's not the beginning of God. How many of y'all know God has always existed, even before there was a Pluto or a Saturn or a Mars? In the beginning was the Word. And just so you know, when it says the Word with that capital W, it's talking about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. So it says in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus, and the Word, or Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. How do you understand that? Well, you have to think about the Trinity. In the, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. So Jesus was with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was God. Now, now get your mind around this, man. The same Jesus as the baby in the manger, he left heaven, came here, took on that shape for a season. But before he came to the manger, he was with the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and watch what he does. Through him... Jesus, all things were made. And so in the beginning, God created. When it says God creates, talking about Jesus, he spoke and light emanated from him. The heavens and earth, everything was, was, was shapeless and without form and void. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not understood it. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines, the light shines, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not understood it. What does that mean? What does that mean? When that scripture says the darkness has not understood it, there's another translation that says the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And, and I have to say to you, I don't know who, who this is for, but I know God doesn't make a mistake, and he brought every one of us here today. And if you're in a place where that darkness just feels like it is taking over you, and you don't know where north is, where south is, you don't know the next step to take, and the darkness feels like it has overwhelmed you, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overtaken it. 
In him, Jesus was light, and that light was the light of men. And I want to say to you this morning that I know you came expecting camels and, and wise men and sheep and shepherds, and right, we got that with the thing, but, but Christmas is not just a historical story. Christmas is about you and your relationship with the God who created you. And if you feel in any way separated from him, the reason he came into this world is to reconnect you. The reason he came into this world is to shine a light into your dark, beyond broken mess. And that leads us to the last thing, and the last thing is this. If you've got some stuff that's jacked up and broken, living in a world that's beyond broken, Jesus is the fixer of all things broken. Now that sounds real preachy. That sounds real, just exactly like somebody who's a preacher would say. But let me, let me give you a couple examples. Let me give you a couple examples. A few weeks ago, started getting some phone calls from some friends of ours who, who, man, we love this couple. And they've been together for a long time. We've got a family, a home, and been part of our church for a long time. Start getting phone calls that things have gotten all, all busted up. And, and, and he's made his mind up. He's going one way and she's going another way. And next thing you know, we're talking about this family and, and a heartbeat is going to be divorced. And, and things are being said that can't be taken back. And lawyers are being called. And I'm going to get this apartment. And the house is being moved out of it. What's going on? I mean, it happened like that. And the enemy had gotten involved and was convincing some people that this and this and this and some things were said and done, and it seemed like the whole thing was going to break loose. And on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago, and I'm not saying I had anything to do with this, but I just want you to hear what I'm saying. I went and got a few of my friends and said, come down here. we got to pray for them. And we sat right here, and we prayed our guts out. God, help this family. And can I tell you right now that this family has called the lawyers off. This family has said, we don't need that lease. This family has moved back into their home. They're reunited. God did that. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus is the fixer of all things broken. Yesterday, 2 o'clock, before our service last night, Jackie and I went to a celebration of life service for a young man who was 25 years old, and his life ended tragically and suddenly. And there were more questions than there were answers, and there will be for a long time. If you're looking for a nice, neat little bow to put on every struggle and situation, then this isn't the place, because this is a place where, where things are messy. But this is also a place where, where there is hope in Jesus, and we know that God is working all things together for his good and for our good, and he brings beauty out of things. But as we sat in that room, and they talked about this young man and his life, and you think, God, how could anything good come out of this? And then the service is over, and there's a line of people coming up to speak to that family. That's, it looks like it's going to take an hour and a half for people to get through that. And so many people are coming up and telling them, we love you. We're praying for you. What do we need? What, how can we help? And there's community, and there's healing, and there's, there's love. You say, yeah, but that doesn't fix what was broken. That doesn't bring him back. You're exactly right. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But there is a promise of a place called heaven. And for people who are followers of Jesus, and this young man, based on the, the conversations that people who were close to him and knew him, over the last few months, he had given his life to the Lord. They read some things from his journal where he had been writing about how he wanted to be this and he wanted to be that and he wanted to be godly. And he was writing scriptures and he was going after God. And everything I see in that tells me that no matter what he had done, that the promise of heaven is there for those who have faith and trust in Jesus, because Jesus is the fixer of all things broken. I told you about 
stepping into our living room yesterday morning. And I sat in that living room and I looked around, y'all. And I sat there and I thought, wow, five, six months ago, at the end of May, I stood right outside and I watched our house as flames, 20, 30, 40 feet in the air, coming right out of the roof. And I thought back of a day or two later when I took my phone and I walked through the house and I, I'm videoing and there's a hole in the ceiling where, where the firemen were putting the fire out and there was, there was ashes and everything was charred and burned and there's our living room furniture with all of the soot and fire. And all of the stuff is just wrecked and nasty. And I sat there and I looked at our home that had been rebuilt, put back together, fresh paint on the walls, all new stuff. It was brand new, and it was better than it was before. And I remembered when God said, I will give you beauty for ashes. And I saw it with my eyes, y'all. I thought, God, how could this be? What has been destroyed? What has been wrecked? What has been broken? Man, we left that place that night. We woke up the next morning. Y'all have heard me say this so many times. Woke up the next morning, didn't have a pair of underwear to put on, didn't have a toothbrush, didn't have a thing to our names. We didn't know which end was up. How does God take that kind of janky mess that is beyond broken and lead us to a place where we're now living a life in a brand new home and we are now? living beyond broken. A baby was born in a manger and the little baby grew up to be a boy and the boy grew up to be a man and the man went to a cross and he gave his life because he loves you. And I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what your struggle is. But just know this. Our God has not forgotten you. Our God's not busy with other things. And our God's not mad at you. And in this moment, he wants to say to you, bro, I love you. I love you. I'm crazy about you and I miss you. And I see the struggle you're going through. And it doesn't have to be that way. I can fix what's broken. But you have to allow me. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes right there where you are? My sense is that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking directly to some, some people right now. And maybe in your life, in recent days and weeks, you can't pinpoint a time when you felt like God was near to you. You find yourself in a spiritually dark place right now. And maybe right now, you're going through some struggles. Maybe it's because of things that you've done, decisions that you've made. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's because of something that someone's done to you. But, but even in that, maybe you feel like right now, I don't know how to get there. Maybe right now, if you're really honest with yourself, and you were asked how your relationship is with God, Maybe you'd say, man, I don't even have a relationship. I don't even know if I believe in God. Well, God believes in you. And he has a plan for you. And it's a good plan. It's a plan for his glory. It's a plan, a plan to bring great joy to your life. And he wants to fix what's broken, whatever it is in your life. But for that to happen, you have to come to a place where you're ready and willing to say, God, this gift that you have for me, this gift of freedom, I want it. What do I have to do to get it? Now, see, that's a great question. 
Because the scripture says it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the free gift of God so that no one can boast. So God gives the gift. You just have to believe. But believing means that you can make the trade. What trade, Jeff? Well, the trade is I'm trading the ashes, and he's going to give me the beauty. How do I do that? When you find yourself at that place where you are desperate for a relationship with God, I'm not talking about I want to be a better person. I'm not talking about I want to become a religious person. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about I know if I don't give my life to Christ, that I'm not going to get out of this darkness. This depression's never going to leave me, and I'm never going to find hope. Jesus is saying, if that's you right now and you want to make the trade, I will give you beauty, but you have to lay down the ashes at my feet, walk away from it, and trust me to lead you into what's new. Now, my guess is right now, in this room, there's some of you that would love for things to be different. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Give the people around you just a little privacy. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward, anything like that. This is between you and God. Just a moment. I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you. If you want to ask Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life right now, in your act of faith, in your act of courage, would you just raise your hand and say, Jeff, pray for me. Raise your hand right now if you want to accept Christ. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I see a couple of those hands around the room. Anybody else? God, I thank you. So, so here's what I want you to do. Just in your mind, you don't have to say this out loud. In your mind, you and God, God, that's me. I need you. Just talk to him right now. God, you know my situation. And I'm sick and tired of the struggle. Lord, right now, I give you my life. I'm laying down my past. I give you everything that I've done, all of my messes. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sins have separated me from you. And Lord, I lay them at your feet. And I do this, God, in faith, believing that you're going to give me beauty from everything that has been burned and wrecked and destroyed and beyond broken in my life. So right now, Jesus... Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Show me the way to the life that you planned for me. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace. I lay down my past. I'll never be the same. I'm following you the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.